Now, when you cut and rearrange words on a page, new words emerge, and words change meaning. For example, the word draft, as into the army, moved into a context of blueprints and contracts gives an altered meaning. When you experiment with cut-ups over a period of time, you find that some of the cut-ups and rearranged text seem to refer to future events. We had no explanation for this at the time, just suggesting, perhaps, that when you cut into the present, the future leaks out. William S. Burroughs, 1976. On the north end, by the big band, the tank was in the pose. Purity stood close to willow and surely could handle the load. Sellers were sweating, shedding their overcoats. The temperature rose, put a chink in the armor, a winter too warm, unleash a mother load. Too warm for January 10 and 9 The air smelled like September when you lay down your life And the horses stuck like flies Welcome to Tabletop Garden, an actual play podcast where we collaborate on short, self-contained stories about interesting characters, and we do it with an agenda. With us today is Jim. Hello, I'm Jim. Um, I use he, him pronouns. I am a writer, streamer, and podcaster, and I can be found at twitch.tv slash otherdoc. Lucy. Hi, I'm Lucy. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a writer and a professor, and you can find me online on Twitter at Lucy Reads Everyone, the number one. And Melissa. Hi, I'm Melissa. I am a video game developer for Future Proof Games. My pronouns are they, them, and you can find me on Mastodon at urson.life. And I'm Gregory Avery Weir. I'm a game developer and your host. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and you can find me on Twitter at Gregory Avery Weir or via email at Gregory at tabletop.garden. You can support the work I do at patreon.com slash Gregory Avery Weir. Today, we'll be playing the system Rosette Diceless, which is a consent-based improvisational GM light role-playing system that <laughs> Melissa and I developed, and you can get at rosetterpg.com. As always, our agenda will be to honestly portray diverse characters, pursue healthy play practices, and craft story with social responsibility. Additionally, for this campaign, we'll be following an agenda that's based on the principles of Rosette Diceless, kind of condensed down a bit, where play should be consensus-based, there should be no game master, we're all shaping the story and nothing happens to a character without their player's consent. Story focused, the rules exist to enable story and simulate interesting conflict, and even if you fail at a task, the story should continue. And improvisational, we should support each other to create the story in the moment and set other players up for interesting story. So, the campaign that we're going to be playing is The Great Molasses Flood. And uh, because we're going to be, so this is this is going to be a weird historical fiction game where uh, it's based on a real historical event um, that I think y'all are only passingly familiar with. Uh, I'm going, I've injected some weird fiction stuff into it that that will become increasingly apparent as we play. Um, because we're dealing with a uh, a disaster that's occurring in a city um i want to be especially careful about uh 
chatting about stuff. So kind of our out of character chat for this episode will be a sort of mini session zero, if you're familiar with that practice, where we chat about how we want to, to handle some stuff. Rosette Diceless, by default, uses the X card. If it's okay with y'all, I'd like to go a little more aggressive on that on safety tools and use Script Change by Bo Yager Sheldon. So the way this works is, anytime, you can say pause. If you just want to take a break to chat, if you just need to get up, if you want to just think for a second, just be like, pause, and we'll, we'll, we'll hold on. Um, and anytime, you can say rewind, and we'll back up and do that scene again. So the, the, the X card equivalent would be you'd say rewind, and you'd be like, okay, for whatever reason, either, you know, say you think you messed up, say you don't like how something works, say you, you, something happened that you're like, I don't want that in my game. You can just say, let's rewind and we'll back up and do it again. And we don't, you don't, you can explain as much or as little as you want. Um, you can say fast forward. If you just want to skip what's going on, you can say, let's fast forward past this part. It's the equivalent, you can, you know, pulling a curtain, pulling a veil, um, cutting to black. Those, those all work. And then frame by frame is, uh, if you want to go through a scene carefully, so if you want to be like, this is feeling heavy, let's go frame by frame, let's check in and be like, hey, is this cool? Is this how we want to go? Just kind of go through it slow motion. Um, so I'll, I will post a link to, to reference for that, um, but the, the important words are pause, rewind, fast forward, frame by frame. Um, does that sound like it would work for y'all? Sounds good. I'll have to practice it, but yeah. It, it'll probably take me a little bit to get it as I'm used to other safety tools. Um, then, So this will be the first time I've ever uh, interacted with them. So I'm, I'm interested. I just need to kind of get into the rhythm of it. I think it sounds good. I'm excited to try it. Cool. And it's fine if you don't remember the words for them or anything like that. Um, but I want, to, I want to use something that has a few more options than just, oh no, this is a problem. Are we cool with using script change as sort of our moment-to-moment -moment safety tool? Yeah, looks cool. Okay, now I want to talk about some specific little items um, that, that I, I know will probably come up, um, and I want to make sure that we're on the same page about that stuff and sort of establish a social contract for how we want to handle it. So, first of all is, I totally want to, in this campaign, present the past as a bit of a foreign country, um, as... People do things differently there. Um, people have different practices. But one thing first I want to propose is how about we all use modern terminology, especially referring to like groups of people. So let's, you know, <laughs> when we talk about race, when we talk about gender, queerness, all of that, um, if y'all are cool with it, let's just, let's, let's say black when we're talking about black people, let's say... Um, queer or gay or lesbian or whatever is appropriate when talking about queer people and just skip the whole thing we don't need to we don't need to be historically accurate for when it comes to that sort of stuff um and feel free to use modern slang and all that you can use period slang if if it's cool um in areas that are not relating to like identity <laughs> and, so, and that so, sort of thing so i can say jive turkey at some point in here you can if you really want to, to use Jive Turkey, you can. That's not appropriate to either no, of the not. eras we're discussing. But. <laughs> so next, um, and if and once, once I go through my list, y'all are welcome to bring up things that I didn't mention. Um, so this is going to be about a disaster. 
Um, it's going to be about a, a historical event in which something went wrong in a city and people got hurt, people died. Um, and just in general concerning the, the scenery and, and the, the general stuff, and I'll get into a few more specifics, does anyone have any particular concerns or requests for the relation to like how we talk about the fact that like there are going to be some homes destroyed and things like that? I think that I'm inclined in general for all this stuff to not go into any sort of gruesome detail. Um, I'm not inclined to, to, you know, talk about like people, um, you know, specific injuries that happen to people or, or like, like dwell too much on misery. Um, but there are questions like, should we have people begging to be helped? Should we, are we feeling up to that or do we want to like put some of that stuff in, in more kind of narratively described and not role played? Right now, I feel mm-hmm. okay with it potentially. I, I mean, I may respond emotionally and I'm okay with mm-hmm. that too. Um, so, uh, Okay. Yeah, I think um, this. I feel like this probably doesn't need to be said with these specific people on this call, maybe. But mm-hmm. um, remembering the human, like something that I think can happen, like when I think about playing D and D, you're someone passing through town, and the the destruction happening doesn't feel real. Um, mm. And instead, like we all came from houses we all came from homes and Mm -hmm. families right like and just like remembering that we are individual people in this game instead of mythical figures um but like focus on people and not on the spectacle right um so i mean you know time and place for that but i don't think this is it (laughs) i i feel like uh, fine with it um i think that you know it's uh if if the description gets too graphic, I'll probably want to want to make use of uh, make use of the safety tools. But I, yeah. I think that uh, just from what I understand, and also part of the just sort of the conceit of my character will kind of require me to give people aid. So mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I feel yep. as though it'd be helpful for that to be in play. So yeah, we can if if things start getting. Um... If any of us start feeling like things are getting rough or, or like we're not quite sure, we can pause, we can go frame by frame, we can rewind, we can just like use non-coded human language and be like, okay, hold on, let's <laughs> let's talk about this. Um, so specific stuff, um, injury. My inclination is to um, be willing to talk about, say, someone breaking their leg or someone being trapped, um, but not... I'm not inclined to talk about, like, what does that specifically look like? So that's in it, regarding injury to people in general. Is that kind of where everyone's sitting? Does everyone want to be more circumspect than that? I think there are certain specific kinds of injuries that okay. I might uh, hit some sort of VCR button on. Um, mm-hmm. But those are... Those are rather specific okay i'll i i know a little bit about each of y'all's health (laughs) and and specific injuries come to mind um as things that i'm not going to to introduce 
Um, it sounds like you're describing using a sort of softer camera and not like an ultra focused lens. Yeah, if this was a film, um, or, or a, if 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 I were if I were doing film or TV, I would be thinking, you know, PG, PG thirteen, um, network drama maybe, but not like. I wouldn't even go to the level of like the the shot of the victim in the police procedural. I'm not inclined to like Ugh. to to be even that graphic. Yeah. Neither should neither should police procedurals to be honest. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the mentalist is too much. Yeah. 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 Okay, and I can I can see y'all on webcam. Um so if it seems like I'm breezing past, I'm 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 looking for nods and so on, but feel free to speak up or, or raise your hand or something if if you are still thinking over one of these. So specific injury stuff, um, there historically were kids in this scene. I don't think that I want to, at least not right now, <laughs> right now I'm not feeling like I want to like go into any amount of detail with regard to that. Um, but I think I, I'm personally okay with mentioning that kids were around in the kind of the opening scenes, um, and maybe describing them being rescued. Um, but I could also see us going like, let's just ignore whether or not kids were present and just talk about adult humans. Um, how are y'all feeling on that kind of going back and forth with that? Or is anyone like, does anyone feel like it's dishonest? Um, or 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 doesn't like that level of of um, abstraction. I feel like I'm pretty much on the same page. Okay, so kids might get mentioned, but not in the context of like bad stuff happening to them. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's part of like I, you know I wouldn't call it dishonest to not do it, but um, right, it's part of the the tapestry of you know the story in a in a way that you know there are humans involved <laughs> mm -hmm. and yeah. hopefully they got helped. And the last thing uh, that I have on injury stuff is animals. Um, there were historically some animals on the scene. Horses specifically get mentioned a lot in, in discussions of this event. Um, do we want to treat animals like adult humans, like children, or do we want to have them not, not be discussed? I, I have a preference here and I'm going to, I think I'm mm -hmm. going to say, uh, no, no, there's, yeah, no, there's particularly horses. It, it fits into the whole specific injury thing. It's just, okay. uh, so, so <laughs> we'll, we'll, you know, people can use their imagination, listeners can use their imagination if they want, but we won't mention yeah whether or not there are animals on the scene. We'll just skip it. All right. Everyone cool with that specific, specific injury stuff. Anything mm -hmm. else you want to bring up with that? Okay, next, we talked about terminology, but let's talk about historical oppression. Um, so <laughs> I think it's important to me as the narrator of this to depict elements of historical oppression of certain ethnic groups. Um, and I think that given that I know that we have some queer characters, um, some of the elements in which that, that limited their lives. Um, I'm willing to compromise on that, um, but I personally would like to, to kind of explore that a little bit. Um, but there are definitely kind of different degrees we could go to with that. 
Um, I, I certainly don't want to play an NPC that's going to be like actively hurting anyone for for like physically hurting someone for for marginalization. I'm not inclined to role play a, a racist cop, but but I can imagine like what I'm envisioning is that that I might frame things as certain limitations to your characters, um, which the Rosette has a system called accept or unless, where you could say. I could say, well, you won't be able to get in here because you're a member of X group, and you could go, well, accept, or you could say, unless, um, and then I could, I would then qualify that limitation. But I could also go as far as to say that, like, we'll recognize that this oppression exists and it's part of the context of this world, but just not have it come up in play. So, how are y'all feeling about those options, or do you do you want to just be like, let's be a historical, let's not in engage in that stuff i will um say i am feeling a little torn about it <laughs> because it's obviously not a historical issue <laughs> it's very like present issue um, right definitely but i also do think that there's a lot of potential things that will be interesting to you know, talk about and potentially RP. Um, so I feel a lot of complicated things uh, about it. All right. Do we want to kind of assume that we will go real slow when it comes to that, those issues? And, and like, if something comes up, be like, okay, so this is an area where we know in the actual 1910s this stuff was happening how do we want to handle that and, and immediately go meta well so i have some stuff on my sheet that hook into some of these things so i i don't think it's i mean it's not spoiling anything to say that i have like code switching as a skill mm -hmm. how would that interact with going meta if i need to come up with a skill for a situation then if the situation is not there in detail, is it, do we still make it work? Or should I tweak the character? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, I think we can still have, it sounds like what I'm hearing is that we could still have situations in which kind of narratively the oppression affects things. And we might decide that we're comfortable going into like actual narrative discussion mm -hmm. of it. But even if we go like, even if we just have an OSC chat and sort of, I guess in in script change we would say fast forward past that scene. Yeah. That's that um, that skill could still be useful, okay. right? We could yep. just say, you know, we maybe say like, well, you might have trouble getting past this bouncer to get into this club if you're this group, yep. and you can be like, okay, then I'll use I can use this skill. I can use my my code switching skill, and we'll say, okay, cool, you'll go okay. in. Cool. That if if in that circumstance we decide that we we want to skip that yep. scene. Um. That, I mean, that all seems fine with me. I am happy to avoid, and this, you know, this fits with the injury stuff. I'm happy to avoid uh, the specifics, like drilling in on the specific miseries of <laughs> being a marginalized entity in the in 1919, because it sounds like it's probably pretty bad um, Yeah, in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, that, that suits me. And is it cool if I kind of as part of my describing scenes and establishing circumstances, if I discuss like, here's generally 
the experience that's that you know to say like in this time italians specifically is going to be relevant are kind of considered other and not white and and distrusted by general society mm-hmm. is that sort of background stuff cool to, to kind of establish okay. i think so and we can certainly if i yeah. say something you can certainly be like okay pause let's let's not have that be in our game if yeah. we want and class related stuff too hopefully um and yeah, yeah. i figured you can't you yeah. can't do this without talking about that but <laughs> I feel like the good um, idea is to just approach it cautiously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And sort of just sort of as a default, slowly and cautiously, and not, you know, leap immediately to uh, yeah. uh, expletives, things of that nature. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I'm definitely, I think I'm going to say, like, in case it wasn't clear as part of the terminology discussion, let's not do any expletives. <laughs> let's not do any slurs. Nothing, even even any soft ones, because especially because things that we consider soft now might not have been soft then. Um, things that were soft then won't be now. Um, I, I'm going to specifically say uh, certain reclaimed words like queer. I think I'm cool with it, everyone else is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that reclaiming is a con- complicated discussion, but but as folks are comfortable with using those words, um, I am down for it. Uh, I think. Specifically, the N word. Let's not. Yeah. Let's not let's, do. Let's not, please. For as a reclaimed word, yeah. uh, let's not. Yeah. There's no, only but, one. I'm um, not going to say it to I'm, myself. I'm there's cool only one with... other person. There's only yeah. one person on this call who. <laughs> um, so, so. So if we can drill in a bit, use the term expletive, mm-hmm. which to me means a cuss word at all. Oh, um, I'm cool with cuss. Okay, just checking. If y'all, are. you know, if we're going PG, Epithet, I think is what I meant. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's my fault. I, I was searching. I was reaching for a word. Right. That, that was the first e word that my brain grabbed. I was like, "Oh no, I have to like." I know. <laughs> I was actually panicking too. I was like, "Oh God, never say fuck. Never say no, fuck." I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with swearing. <laughs> Glad I'm playing a sailor because. <laughs> um. So the last item on my list of kind of social contract stuff is PTSD. I have done a tiny amount of initial prep research on this because i know that we have um two of our characters are veterans um and that we are dealing with a disaster situation um i'm not inclined to bring it in unless y'all do for your characters um but is there anything are there any is there anything we want to set up on sort of trauma bringing up panic or anything like that um i think that that people on this call may have may experience it in real life or might not but um if y'all do y'all have any feelings on how that enters in um this is the historical time when shell shock was first getting discussed and and so that's certainly a thing that could be relevant to the story i mean there may be some minuscule things that um i end up doing a little bit in rp um Mm -hmm. but i'm not planning to have it to to do anything that should become the focus of a scene if that makes yeah. sense, um, okay. It's it's mostly there. There may be a few minor um, RP things. I haven't done anything like put it in as a as a character quirk or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is mostly just things that sort of helped formulate experiences that my character had, and yeah. it's not something that I see as necessarily being 
anything we need to focus on as like plot or anything like that if that makes yeah. sense as a specific uh thing that i think that could potentially come up um rosette diceless is a concept called afflictions we'll we'll go into this when it comes to to when we get into play but should people do we want people to avoid say taking the affliction triggered or something like that um where like mm -hmm. there there is a mechanical weight to the concept of someone suffering from past trauma i feel like that would be a good idea good idea to avoid yeah yeah okay that word is right. a lot yeah that, that, that word in and of itself is loaded yeah so. Yeah. right even though but, but even connected yeah, things you know activated yeah. trauma or something like that still yeah. avoid yeah okay so we're not there. going to look into ptsd mechanically at all we might role play stuff related to trauma but we're going to try and avoid like getting into it or focusing on it, it so i will say and i i hadn't really framed this under the label of ptsd um, but mm -hmm. I took the um, negative trait plagued by nightmares, mm. which specifically um, allows my secret to be used against me in conflict, um, which would very much tie into this sort of thing. I also have extra co always composed, you know, like I have like a couple of things that kind of tie around past experiences of trauma. Mm -hmm. So while I don't know that it's, and it does tie into the narrative a little bit. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to be... I'm not going to play this in any sort of, like, stereotyping way. Like, I, I'm i mm -hmm. not here for that. So I, I agree with, like, certainly the word triggered being a, a whole thing. But also, like, I think, and we can reassess when it happens, um, that we can engage with the plagued by nightmares. We can engage with stuff like this. And I think I can, I think we can navigate that space. If not, I'll switch it. I can take something else. And it's like no harm, no foul. Right. Um, hopefully no harm, no foul. Um, so yeah, it is on my sheet, I guess I should say in, a, in an indirect way. Um, it's not as something as simple as a quirk, but it is sort of embedded in the character. Okay. Are we cool with that saying in play in that case for Alyssa's character? Yeah. Okay. Because I I okay. can't switch it. Just you know, we'll see how it goes. I yeah. guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I I a I trust you. Um, <laughs> well. B. What you're talking about is not. Uh, I, I I don't think is something that is as likely to lead to um, the sort of things we're trying to not have going on. Oh, yet, and so. you know my damn secret. So yeah. <laughs> well, yes, that too. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tread lightly, you know, but. Um, yeah, that's definitely not something to to focus in on with a with a tight lens. So, yeah. Did we form a perfect secret circle then? We did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> I'm very excited to get to introducing this these things. That's all that I've got for like pre-session discussion, social contract stuff. Does anyone have anything that came up or or that they I guess one little thing that just came up is um I'm going to mention this in a sec, but historical accuracy is not not something that i'm uh inclined to get into um i've done a decent amount of research but um 
I'm taking certain liberties and uh, also there are certain narrative reasons why we can just kind of hand wave historical accuracy um, as long as we don't get too, you know, we're not going to be pulling out modern technology. Um, the player characters aren't at least. So uh, if everyone's cool with it, let's, we can chill on. If you're like, I don't know, when, when exactly was this device invented? Oh, it turns out it wasn't until 1927. Well, don't worry about well, it. Well, I guess we can put aside my 45 minutes of research on Swiss Army knives on when Americans would I mean, have if, them, which is, I think this it, is too early. If it, positively, <laughs> if it positively influences your character and, and informs your character, cool, but we don't need to be too strict on it. Yeah. My character will not be posting anything to Instagram. Ah, Excellent. <laughs> Any uh, any other items that we want to chat about on social contract stuff, topics to avoid, or that you especially want to highlight? Stuff that you might think of that could be an issue that you're super interested in doing? Nothing specific uh, for me. Uh, okay. I will say that um, just as a general rule, I always um, hope that any you know when when we're looking into portraying certain things or well portraying almost you know anything that those portrayals mm -hmm. are done respectfully mm -hmm. um but i you know i i trust this group to do that so i'm 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 good yeah i agree cool then we will proceed i want to give credit to a book, Dark Tide, The Great Boston Molasses Flood of 1919 by Stephen Paleo. It's my kind of major main source for like the sequence of events and, and major inspiration for a lot of the characters you're going to run into. It kind of it's, it's the, the central like work of historical, like popular historical authorship on this event. Um, and I will note that I've taken historical liberties. There are characters that you're, you might meet that were not there for sure um, but i thought it was more interesting to have them there so with that let's begin this campaign of tabletop garden the great molasses flood it is january 15th 1919 we're in the very north end of Boston. It's a very warm Wednesday for January. You're used to going around in like heavy coats because it's Boston, um, but this is a day where you're you're having to, to strip down to just your long sleeves or light coats. It's been sort of a rough 1919 and, and, and 1918. Um, there was a big epidemic in October of of last year uh that was bad enough that like they were having trouble finding places to bury the bodies it's been the, a world war on um things are things are kind of uh politically very uh chaotic um at the moment the headlines on the newspapers are generally about two things first world war one is over you've had victory but Armistice hasn't. Armistice has been signed, but the the end of the war has not actually legally happened, and prohibition is on the cusp of passing. Massachusetts has already approved prohibition, but essentially, if one more state signs on, that's it. It's set. There will be an amendment, and you'll have one more year of alcohol before prohibition starts properly. Sam, where are you at around noon on a Wednesday? Hmm. What does one do when they are ashore for the first time in a little while? So they're on leave. 
let's see you yeah you've been on leave for uh, a week or two now mm-hmm. so um, done all the fun stuff done all the exciting stuff yeah your ship what what so you're a sailor what ship are you from i'm from the uh ss kotopahi which is a uh, cargo ship that was just launched uh last year 1918 um and i'm a i'm a quote-unquote junior utility man i'm a I am a person who will never be allowed to rise particularly high in the ranks, um, despite having quite a lot of experience. Um, and so the, the ship has done an initial journey and is back in port to kind of like, you know, have the screws retightened. Um, and we've got some leave while that happens. And so I've probably been to Boston a few times. There's a fair amount mm-hmm. of reason to be here just as a sailor and as, as someone who's been in the military. but. There's probably a little bit of like sort of casual shopping, a little bit of like find a a park to like post up, even though it's cold and just like be on land for a little while, you know, Um, feels weird because it's not home anymore, but it's it's still an interesting experience. So. All right. Well, if you maybe grabbed a slightly early lunch, Mm -hmm. um, there's a there's a uh, graveyard, Copsill Burial Ground. is is this graveyard set on a hill that sort of overlooks the neighborhood would have a view of where your your ship is is moored Excellent. um getting repaired um or getting maintained yeah get its first tune-up <laughs> so you're eating and maybe sitting what leaning against a tree sitting on a gravestone what's what's your style hmm i'll lean against a tree let's we'll, we'll keep it right. chill <laughs> what does your character look like Oh, they are, he is, woof, that, <laughs> as someone who uses they mm-hmm. pronouns, uh, it is sometimes difficult for me to play characters that do not use they pronouns. He is, is a, uh, sort of a haggard, middle-aged black man, um, who sort of, um, is not, is not a pretty person. He's got scars, nothing, like, dramatic. He's just, like, lived in the sun and on the sea, you know, for, for a lot of his life, not a resting, smiling face. Um, and just sort of like broad shouldered kind of hunkers in his, in his coat and, uh, and keeps his head down, uh, while he's, while he's in town, but, um, facial hair, I guess a beard, um, not a particularly like not an unkempt person by any means, but also like is not interested in, in dolling up or or sort of dressing up or anything like that and so in rosette diceless your character has um traits that are different qualities about them one you have one superlative trait that's sort of a uh an special strength that your character has what's what's sam's superlative trait his superlative trait is uncanny insights which uh, is an ability where once per session, I am able to narrate a piece of information, like basically add information to the scene. And um, I, in doing so, I might be able to gain a resource that I can use um, to, to gain an edge or block, um, depending on kind of what the conflict is about and what information I have. So I have, I have the ability to, or I'm just a very observant person, or I've seen a lot of stuff, right? It's kind of experience-based and, and I can, I can spot things and, and interject them into the scene. And you also have a secret, which is a question that I don't know the answer to, but one other person here does. 
What's that secret? Uh, the question is, why does Sam stay at sea despite the difficulties and limitations? Awesome. So I've posted a map if you want to check it out in the in the Discord channel. This is just sort of a general overview. You're sort of currently at the southeast of this map. This neighborhood uh, you're, has a, an elevated train track running through it. Um, I'll post a, a photo from ground level in a sec. It's got this elevated train track that you're sort of looking underneath. You're, you're, it's a little higher than you, um, and you're, you're looking down onto this, this spread. And it's, there's a lot of industrial buildings and industrial yards um, down there. Um, there's, a, there's some, some sheds that have like city trolley and city transit stuff in them. Um, you can see the harbor below, um, and you can see a fire station. Uh, there's a little... Uh, there's a house that's that's sort of built underneath the the elevated train uh, tracks that sort of clearly like was there and they just kind of stayed there <laughs> and got built on top of. Um, and then you're kind of up above that all, and to your left, you're you've got a bunch of um, of apartment buildings um, that are lining this street. Uh, and then kind of down, looking down to your right, you can see a big, uh, playground that's basically just an open dirt field, um, where there's a bunch of kids running around. But the one thing that's dominating this whole landscape is the molasses tank. There's a big sign, um, on the building next to it that says purity distilling. Um, it's clearly some sort of chemical plant or a chemical company that, that is storing something here. And there's a huge brown tank that's just enormous it dwarfs everything else in the neighborhood it's taller than any of the buildings it's taller than the than the the elevated train track um and it just sort of looms over everything here um and you can see like you can see like a couple of kids have snuck into the into the yard where the where the tank is and they are like holding up pails it looks like and like collecting some some stuff that's coming out of the tank into them and then they run off like holding the the bucket over their head as if it's a big prize so is this bigger than a like a water tower um think of it like it's a water tower that goes all the way to the ground Oof, okay okay so if you see this is a picture uh, uh kind of next to the playground looking towards a lot of those industrial buildings and you can see just that enormous tank um that's just just this big huge cylinder painted a dark brown color Oof. And off to your right, there's another person uh, in the, the graveyard. Also, kind of, you get the impression that they're, they're also sort of having a break, a lunch break. But they're weird. They look weird. They're a white person. You can't really get a grasp on gender. They're, they're wearing odd clothes. Um, they've got blue trousers that look kind of like the, the blue waist overalls that you'll see, like, factory workers wear, except they're just trousers. Mm-hmm. And they're wearing some sort of, like sweater jacket with a hood that's like bright red like circus color red um and like over the jacket they've got a vest on top of it that's like a bright orange and there are these like stripes on it that almost seem to glow you're not sure how that's done and they're they're they seem to be using a an adding machine like a like a little handheld calculator Mm -hmm. that would be like you you tap on it and like you know, do multiplication and stuff, but they don't have any papers or anything that they're working with, so that's weird. Um, and they're smoking a cigarette, and you sort of notice that the cigarette that they're smoking is burning blue instead of red. So does this person look like they are wearing all their clothes? Like, all the clothes that they own? Is this is this that sort of... Maybe. Okay. 
I mean, it's it's not bulky, but like they're wearing things in the wrong order, right? Mm. It's an orange vest on top of a red sweater. It's it's very strange. Hmm, okay. And I think we will move to the next person. Okay. Jim, Lucy, which of you wants to go next? I'll go if you like. Sure, good. All right. So, Jim, where are you around lunchtime? Are you at the at your place of work? Yep. <laughs> and and your place of residence? Yep, pretty much. I'm at the fire station, which I see is very close. Uh, it's very close yes. by. <laughs> so we are probably in that. My understanding of such things is that mm-hmm. uh, those those in our profession uh, have two states that they are generally mm-hmm. in um, at rest or um uh, or running those are like the uh <laughs> the two mm-hmm. states so currently we are in the at rest state um yeah so i think that uh if it is just coming up on lunchtime then i am probably probably helping out with that a little bit because my character has a fairly big family um mm-hmm. and so he kind of knows a little bit about how to you know <laughs> How to help with, you know, make sandwiches and what have you. We probably had someone run, uh, go on a run to grab uh, uh, some, some, some lunch meats or whatever. And so I'm probably near a, near a counter helping uh, assemble said lunch meats and uh, various other vegetables onto these, uh, onto these slices of bread as, uh, and sort of chatting with the, uh, my fellow firefighters. So you're, you're in the, in the bottom f- floor the first floor of this of this firehouse um there's a pool table um folks are hanging out uh there you don't have a like a fire truck this is before fire trucks are really a thing um so you've got you've got transportation and stuff that you can the that you know horses and so on outside but it's not like you're over a garage you're you're putting food together um and what does your character look like so my character is uh, he's a he him um, he is uh, in his late twenties, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Lorenzo is Italian. His uh, his family, when he was a kid, moved to Boston from uh, from New York, mm-hmm. uh, but he's been been here for a considerable amount of time. Uh, when he was not uh, overseas fighting, mm-hmm. uh, he he came out mostly. His face was intact, which was nice. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. coming out coming out of the war, uh, he might have one or two uh, minor scars. Um, but not, uh, n- not necessarily going to be immediately visible. He's kind of, he's about six feet, six feet in height. Um, he has, uh, very dark, close cropped hair. He is clean shaven. He's, he's not bad to look at. He's decently handsome as one moves slightly more toward the rugged end of the perspective uh, of the, uh, mm-hmm. of the spectrum on that. He's fairly well muscled, um, as, uh, as someone who does his job, uh, would be. He pretty much, as he is uh, sort of working on, you know, he, he sort of working on the sandwiches, sort of chatting back and forth. He's very, uh, he tends to be very glib with such things <laughs> so, and just sort of trading, uh, you know, uh, joking insults and what have you with the rest of the, uh, the, uh, the firefighters um, as, uh, as this whole thing is going on. Um, he's currently, and probably I'm guessing about, what would it be, 75% of his uniform? Yeah, he's, yeah, probably. He's, like he's got the he's got the pants, the suspenders, um, the sort of a uh, uh, off-white shirt. 
His, his coat is probably hanging somewhere nearby. I believe the uniforms were a sort of, I think they were either a black or a darkish blue. I can't really tell because the pictures are in black and white. Um, <laughs> yes, but, um, something dark. Yeah. So probably probably like a, a darkish blue to black um, and was would normally, so on the rack probably, which we'll, we, we may see later is the, sort of the long coat and a sort of a flat, uh, kind of uh, uh, build cap. Uh, some of them have uh, insignia on them. I don't know if his would or not because I'm not sure what his rank is mm-hmm. per se. He's not. Necess- he's not in charge of these people uh, per okay. se. But they. You're just you know. like a rank and file, yeah. experienced fire. Yes. What's your superlative trait? Um, I carry. Uh, so Lorenzo's superlative trait is boundless endurance. Uh, which means I have an extra condition level so that I can, I can mark off four stress before becoming incapacitated. Excellent. And what is your secret? My secret, uh, the, 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 the question, the, question. the open question about my secret is, why doesn't Lorenzo talk about his older brother, Salvatore? Excellent. This neighborhood, I think I'll, I'll mention, is, um, is heavily Italian. Most of the Italians that, that live in this neighborhood are um, first generation. They've they've moved over in the last twenty years or so, and so you're you're second generation, right? Do you talk much with these people? Do you speak Italian? Yeah, I think so. I I think so. Um, I didn't take anything on my sheet, but he has. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He yeah he, he's uh, he speaks Italian. He's he, he's uh, uh, fair, fairly fluent in it. Okay. His parents, I think, insisted they're fairly traditional. Aside from his older brother, um, of whom he does not speak, um, I am imagining mm-hmm. he has two or three sisters. Okay. And uh, so this is part of you know why he had to kind of learn how to help take care of things uh, for various reasons. And uh, so there's a lot of participation in the culture going on. Now, some places would give you a hard time for being Italian at this time because because Italians um, are sort of seen they're immigrants they're 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 seen as 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 weirdly ethnic. How is how are things with that at the firehouse? Is everyone cool with it? Do you get teased? I think that there is uh, at this point there might still be the occasional tease, but I think he's no longer. What I, I know in more modern parlance would be referred to as a probie. He's uh, so it's been some time. It's been a few years uh, since he's uh, you know dealt with the hazing. Um, mm-hmm. So there might be the occasional casual thing that comes up, but then he's expected to be able to just give it right back. Um, yeah, and uh, so. Um, I, I, not all of the banter would necessarily, I think, be appropriate. I feel it would be fine for us to just sort of pass over that <laughs> in <Yeah>. this context. <laughs> that sounds good. But to say perhaps it is a thing that exists in the world, but we need not, uh, we need not uh, dwell upon it. Okay. So you've, as you're, as you're cooking, um, you see that uh, one, of, one of your coworkers, um, George Leahy, has uh he's one of the people that went out for for supplies um and he he came in and like dropped off the 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 lunch meats that that you you wanted um but he kind of like ducked in and and set it down and ducked back out again because you can see through the the windows that there seems to be someone he's talking to out on the street and this is a weird looking guy he's his skin is like almost looks kind of he, he looks old in a weird way like his skin is almost 
is he kind of yellowish and, and papery like he's like got mild jaundice or something um and his suit is like this weird like white and gray patterned outfit and like he's dressed like a reporter or something like like a very like professional suit but not one that looks too expensive but it's got this weird like pattern of of a uh, like black lines on gray it's just it strikes you just as catches the eye as him looking odd and out of place but he chats to to george for just just a little bit it's it's kind of on the on the order of like maybe he's asking for directions or something george doesn't point or anything but but they they talk briefly um and george kind of nods and shrugs and and kind of gives a gives a you know have a nice walk sort of gesture and heads back in and seems doesn't really really mention much about what that was about lucy hi what is Harmony up to around lunchtime on this Wednesday? Uh, Harmony is sort of um, what do you what would be a slow scurry? Whatever a slow scurry <laughs> would look like, that's what Harmony's doing. She's headed. Um, I'm guessing probably toward the wharf um, to maybe there are a few folks who are hanging out on a street corner or um, maybe near the wharf trying to talk to some of the workers there uh, and can maybe voice a couple of tracks um, on them detailing the um, Socialist Party of Boston. And Harmony is carrying a sheaf of these tracks that she is uh Oh, she, you smell the mimeograph fluid. <laughs> you know that mm, that kind of purple smell. Pretty tasty. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Former former teacher. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's got this sheaf of fresh, freshly mimeographed um, tracks for the Socialist Party of Boston that she's getting to the folks who uh, are trying to recruit and um, get new members uh, here, workers in the area. This is a this is a place with a lot of potential folks you'd be talking to. There's there's a, a rail yard. Um, there's there's the wharf. Like this is a place where there's a lot of distribution going on, and there's also like masonry and paving places and a lot of other industrial things. Um, it's you know the political situation is kind of rough for the socialist party at the moment they're very much associated with being anti-war and being just generally like have been painted with a broad brush as is all kind of anti-patriotic but uh but there's still a bunch of workers who are totally into hearing what you're saying especially as the war is coming to an end and they're realizing that like oh hey things are gonna be less you know total working for the government anymore so what does she look like? Uh, and for the record, Harmony's probably not talking to anyone. Um, she's more like providing the copies for the people, okay. other people who are doing their recruiting. She's um, very thin, headed toward the gaunt side of thin, um, pale with pale hair that's pulled back um, in a ponytail. She's dressed not very femme, so she's wearing pants and, um, you know, one of those jackets kind of rolled up on sleeves. Um, (laughs) 
and she's generally a bit scruffy, a bit scruffy looking. All right. What's her superlative trait? Uh, her superlative trait is inner peace, which means that she doesn't have any trouble keeping composure in chaotic surroundings. We don't take wear on nerve, um, and we block edges on nerve attacks. Uh, once per session, uh, can boost defense against chaotic surroundings or chaotic circumstance. Excellent. I wonder if that will come in handy. Uh, <laughs> and what's your secret? Uh, my secret is, why did Harmony come to Boston? Excellent. So you're you're kind of hustling along the along the wharf and you're like you can see the fire station room here this this tank is looming above you um you can basically see from where you are you're looking if you look at the the tank you're looking over the fire station at the tank and you can see as you're as you're you've passed out the the flyers that you've gotten or presumably heading back for more you see this uh weird man in a suit um walking past the like away from the fire station past the tank and kind of west toward uh toward where the elevated train is and kind of back into town um and he's definitely he's just he catches your eye weirdly like he looks a little out of place again his skin is is this weird yellow cast to it it's not like it's not like he's ethnically got a weird skin tone it's like there's something odd about his face but there are a lot of weird looking people in this area decently often just because of it's kind of a locus of a lot of stuff i'm not one to judge maybe they'll be interested in universal basic income though <laughs> <laughs> and so you're probably in the best place harmony to to hear um the noises that the tank is making all of you have been in this neighborhood for for a bit um you're familiar with things so this is not at all out of place but um sometimes that huge molasses tank makes noises and today is is one of those days as you're as you're probably feeling weirdly warm because you've been been hustling around um you can hear from inside the tank this like dull burbling and creaking as if it almost as if this tank is breathing um rumbling within it uh and then you hear um in the distance, and and uh, Sam, you can hear this clearly. This the the squeal of just the wheels and brakes of a the elevated train approaching from the south. Mm -hmm. You can hear it coming up, um, and it's braking to approach the curve of the tracks. And uh, Lorenzo, you're just hearing the the chatter of of the people in the in the firehouse. Sam is definitely a little tense as this as these two noisy things are coming into intersection with each other mm -hmm. uh hopefully not intersection with each other but there's just a it's a little bit of tension just like you know trying to keep aware of what's yeah. what's going on and uh as this this train is is approaching the curve there is a very sudden noise you all hear a sound like machine gun fire just like and then this weird grinding scraping noise like like a monster is 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 suddenly gotten hurt and is, is roaring in pain so sam's looking at the tank harmony are you uh yes i've stopped <laughs> okay 
So you both see that the walls of the tank suddenly burst. Um, this enormous building-sized structure has suddenly broken, and you have just an instant to register that this has happened before you see this just wave of dark liquid pour out of the tank. This is 25 feet tall, stories tall. It's, it's your level with the top of it, Sam. Mm-hmm. Lorenzo, you have no clue that this is happening beyond the sound that you just heard as this wave of molasses pours out into the neighborhood around. So I don't know if my view is obscured by the train that is probably mm-hmm. between me and the tank, but is the does the tank bulge out from the sides and rupture? Like, what's the structural integrity situation happening here? <laughs> uh, let's see. So you were paying close attention. So it's... You saw, like, you you can see kind of, like, steam or smoke rising from some sort of vent on the top of it. Okay. Um, and then And then there is, yeah, it sort of bulges and tears open. Okay. Um, as if, like, some pressure from the inside is opening up. Okay. Interesting. Because um, I'm kind of below it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what, what am I seeing? You see, so you heard it bubbling, and you see this, this... It, you see it kind of tear open up above you, um, and par- pieces of it are flying out in, with stunning speed. So I think this is a good time to start the conflict. In Rosette Diceless, conflict scenes have a goal and a consequence. So there's something that you are all trying to accomplish, and there is a consequence that is is the thing that, that I'm, as the narrator, am, am having my... Uh, my characters try and advance. Um, so I have some goals in mind that, that you could be trying for. I could see that your goal could be to uh, escape this situation mostly unharmed or, or not too badly injured. Or I could see a goal being for you to uh, save as many people as you can. Those, those seem like the big things that come to mind. Um, and then you are all gonna gonna try and figure out a consequence that that you're interested in undertaking. And I will say this is going to be a hard conflict with a very uh, rather uh, overpowering adversary. And I would encourage you, uh, even more so than usual, to feel free to go super super hard on consequences. Um, this this is a story that will be able to support really really dire consequences for you. Um, if if you want your consequence to be a character death, it won't end the campaign. Um, I would be interested in trying to save people who are around. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I like saving lives. Yep. I don't. Do we? Do we want to be more specific than as many as possible? Do we feel like we have enough information to be more specific? Like the working class? Uh, <laughs> fair. Um, so maybe no. Maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'll, I'll say you won't be able to save everyone. Yeah. Um, and you certainly will be able to save a decent number. Okay. You get, get as many to safety as we can. That's all I yeah, that seems fair. 
Oh no, consequences. So in in Urza Diceless, the consequence shouldn't just be not getting the goal. There needs to be kind of another thing that's being pushed for. So you've got a consequence that is a is a an additional thing that's that you're trying to prevent. So I think I'll mention that we are in addition to the base book, we're pulling from mm-hmm. a supplemental book that is as of recording, not yet published. And there are a couple of mm-hmm. new rare setbacks mm, yep. that might be relevant. One of them is being trapped, physically or metaphorically. <laughs> uh, another one is being despised, which is being disliked by the general public, a terrible reputation, etc. I think with my narrator knowledge, neither of those work. Okay, cool. Let's stick with if you want, if you're interested in a setback, which would be something that could be used as an edge against you later on, that would work. But it should be something internal. If so, it should be be something to do with your own self image or your own feelings about yourself, okay. and not about not about physical or social consequences. But okay. definitely something that will stick with us. Yes. Wow. We're 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 first they've begun the first of the <laughs> sticky jokes. Oh wow. Well Oh dear. That's happening. Yeah. Hmm. I, I think I'm I'm sorry, I, I, I have to uh I, I have to, to, to um I have to bow out now. I I, I uh <laughs> I understand. Not for the faint of heart. <laughs> I have a, I have a feeling about how this is going to go. So, are you interested in the consequences being kind of physical consequences for you, even if you don't end up with a physical setback at the end of that, or I'm, what? I'm willing to put my character's life in the consequence. Yeah, bucket. same. I think. Yeah. I think it's yeah, it's pretty much part of my character's job description. So I think putting uh, mm-hmm. you know, put putting death on the line is. Uh, uh, my character's death on the line is fine by me. All right. So in a conflict where it's decently likely that you will fail, that that the adversary will win, your your goal is to save as many people as you can while avoiding the consequence of dying. And if you lose this, all three of you will die. Who will that? Yep. I mean, I don't I don't know that you can be a person who gets on a tin can and stays out in the ocean for years and years of your life and not already be <laughs> ready to step into some situations so all right yeah yeah so you've just heard this this noise and some of you have seen what's going on and i am going to take some cards some index cards and put your characters in put the adversary of the flood in and i think that's it for now I'm just going to shuffle them real quick to figure out what our order is. Although the flood is going to go first. Setting question. When this happens, mm-hmm. are the strange, is the strange person still hanging out here on their handheld abacus? <laughs> I know it's not a handheld abacus. <laughs> they are, uh, they are, yeah, they are watching as of this moment, they're watching. Okay. Depending on what happens next, you may or may not be able to pay attention yep. to what happens to them. But they are, you are notably like, I think that, that Sam, it's clear to you that you're kind of safe right now. Almost certainly. Yeah, because I'm up and back. Yeah, of, you're, yeah, you're elevated and back. So they are, they are in a safe place. Hmm. 
so conflict scenes proceed in cycles, just like a, a combat scene in, in another system. Um, in each turn, someone's going to make an attack, and this doesn't necessarily have to be a physical attack with an attempt to damage. It's just an action that you're doing to try and inflict stress on, on other people. So in this case, the adversary is the Flood, and it is, um, let's see, so it's going to be making a crisis attack here, I think. So I think the other bit of setup that I'm going to say is that Lorenzo, you've sort of been been glancing up as as George has come in, and you see that like just outside, walking past is uh, is John Barry. Um, he's a, a stonecutter at the local paving yard, and he he often comes in to hang out with you all. And he has just been like clearly kind of sponging lunch off the firefighters. Is just like has the door open and is about to come in when this noise happens and he looks and you kind of you hear the noise and of course are probably jumping up with trying to figure out what's going on but he looks over his shoulder to what you can't see and he like goes pale and like dives into the building and shouts go go out the back out 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 as if like something's coming the other two of you could definitely see the, the immediate threat. So what do you all do? Uh, the Flood is attacking. It is using its skill of sudden, and this is a, uh, it's using its body, and it's boosted, this boosted attack is a 10. Um, it's coming in with a bold attack, which means even if you block it, you will, you will take, uh, take wear, but I'm not sure you can block this, and it's using an edge of explosion. Um, so with a crisis attack, each of you will decide how you're responding to this situation, um, and you're using your defenses depending on your approach with it. Uh, but with a 10, I unless you've got some voodoo, I don't think you can you can block that. I mean, to metagame a bit, and you can you can cut mm -hmm. this if you want to, Greg. But that means you've got a five one one. <laughs> They have a mm -hmm. five in body and a one in the other two stats. So, yeah, so their mind and charm have to be one. Yep. So you now know we should. You can now calculate out their defenses roughly. Yep. They might have something that tweaks it because they're an adversary. Oh yeah, that's true. You know that Wits. it's going to be very hard to <laughs> overcome this just by directly direct physical might. Mm -hmm. Your your best bet here is to outwit it to do to do smart things or or quick thinking things to deal with this. Does it have an edge? Yes, explosion. Ah, mm. well, good start. And mm -hmm. I'm looking at this tank, and it's basically like it goes from the ground to the top. This tank does. Yeah. Is it splitting open like at a seam, or is this happening at the top, or like where? All of its, all of the seams on its walls seem to have split open. It's, all, it's as if all its walls are shooting outward. Okay. In the in the split second that this is happening, it's it's like the the roof of it is completely motionless. It's still almost you know time is slow and it's like it's hanging in the air and you're seeing all the walls go out and this liquid pouring, and you can tell that like it's it's coming straight forward for you. Mm -hmm. um, it's coming straight for everyone. And so with with these numbers, we know that you're going to get hit, each of you. It's just a question of like, do you have something that's going to block this edge and make you take less stress? And if when you take the stress, what does that mean? Like, what happens to your character? And um, 
you have the option to take afflictions to reduce the stress you take. You can only take one affliction, correct? Correct. I'll say for listeners that that Jim, Lucy, and Lissa are all members of our home game of Rosette Diceless, so they're pretty familiar. So this is definitely going to land, and I'm trying to think through what my affliction is, especially because I do have the physical distance from the scene. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think my affliction is very much sort of psychological stress related rather than, mm-hmm. you know, explosion being directly the, the thing there. So that's what I'm thinking through at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously, I've already marked off my one stress and I'm trying to decide what my affliction is going to be. And I know it would be bad to take sticky, so I'm going <laughs> to pick something else. <laughs> I'm going to start with just shaken, just like... Okay. Kind of an, oh, shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think, so Lissa, mm-hmm. I guess we'll, since you've got that first, um, what are you doing uh, yes. in response to this that, that causes you to take stress? So, um, okay, so I've heard this noise, heard the crash, um, or the, the, the quote-unquote explosion, mm-hmm. and I'll get up, you know, maybe even drop the notebook I'm carrying, and haul ass towards the tank. Like, and okay. if the if the person, <laughs> clown person, <laughs> is between mm-hmm. me and the tank, they're off to one side. Okay, I was gonna say I'd, I'd grab their sleeve and pull them with me, but but yeah, like pell mell, like looking for people to get closer to what's happening, especially since I'm gonna be safe for a while, right? Like I'm I'm elevated until I reach a certain point. So yeah, you're kind of running down a hill, yeah. although you're you can tell as you're running that you're running into the kind of into the path of this wave of stuff that is coming very fast um this is moving at as as fast as a galloping horse as fast as that train was moving Mm. it's 35 miles an hour okay lucy there's buildings that are about to get hit by this wave this sticky mass is heading towards you are you do you get hit by anything do you get engulfed yeah in this I, i think i do because i'm right there Mentally and emotionally, I'm fine. I'm super chill. I have entered okay. a meditative state, <laughs> and whatever will be will be. But my physical self is in the way of this thing that is happening. And Harmony is not even particularly trying to to do anything. So it's probably only luck that she's not killed instantly by whatever happens but maybe I'm imagining that what happens is she gets sort of sideswiped by a piece of the tank that's coming off um, that hits okay. her so that I'll take the affliction um, bruised or concussed maybe. And okay. then it happens to just spin her in the right direction so she's able to sort of get something i'm not 100 percent sure exactly where i am on this map but something like the tool shed or something else around in between her and like other pieces of it that are maybe flying off being able to to dive between two buildings or something like that and head in the direction of the playground yeah so i'm gonna take mm, bruised okay and Jim, I guess one one question is, you've sort of been urged to get out the back. Do you make it out the back? Or are you still in the in the firehouse when the wave hits? Well, I think that I think I'm going to probably just barely make it out the back because okay. I, I think the condition I'm going to take 
uh, if it's acceptable, it's going to be delayed uh, because I maybe had to do something like cut the horses loose or run uh, to sort of run off to make sure that they they got okay. away or you know just make help. I was helping everybody else get out. Uh, my first priority. Let's rewind because I think we said oh no animals. We? Okay, I didn't I didn't know if we said no animals yep. at all or so if let's... we said that they were okay. All right, no, that's perfectly yeah. fine. So let's let's rewind. In that case, um, so you're delayed. Yeah, I was. I think that I was helping everybody else get out uh, before me, okay. because it's just sort of in his nature to try to do that. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that that's the case. Now, just do remind me: in order to um, block an edge, you actually have to have something that specifically says it blocks an edge, right? If you've got yeah, depending on what resources you have, if you have a resource or a trait that says it blocks things, um, resources are a little. Are a little fuzzier. If you think you have one that would apply, you could use it to block, even if it doesn't explicitly say so. But yeah, the the two ways would be traits and and resources. There are a couple other okay. ways, but I don't think they apply. Um, yeah, the only way I could think uh, to uh, the only resource I, I could think to use here would be group status fireman, as far as us coordinating and trying to get everybody out. I, I'd say that's probably not. That's probably more applicable to use as an as an edge okay. yourself later on um so yes that in that case i'll be i'll be going ahead and taking the condition and uh, i'll be delayed because he kind of he's also one of his uh one of his uh negative traits that i'm kind of uh um role-playing a little bit here is he's over generous so it's you feel the need to help others before accepting help yourself so that's uh something that's uh that's happening so he'll take the the stress and he'll take the condition delayed all right so um one of the things in, in Rosette Diceless is that you get to decide how attacks affect you. Um, so it sounds like, Lorenzo, you make it out the back. You're, you're helping some of the, of the firefighters out, but there are still some that are just behind you because, you know, you can, you, you can trust certain firefighters to, you know, you're a team. You don't have to, to make sure you're the last one out. And just as, just as you make it out the back, you hear an enormous crash as this wave of, of molasses hits the building, and you see it pour through the front door. You're, you're looking from the back door to the front of the building, and we can go frame by frame on this. And there are a bunch of people inside on the, on the first floor, and you can see the wave bringing debris through, crashing through the, the room the big open first floor of the of the firehouse and engulfing people as it goes and you see the the top of this building just right in front of you f falling down the the top second and third floor of the firehouse drop and the this first floor right in front of you is compressed to to about half its normal height and you can tell that people have gotten trapped in there. Um, are you at the moment, Lorenzo? Are you safe, or have you also gotten engulfed by this, this molasses and debris? I think I'm like on the edge of the thing. Okay, so you're kind of in the in the lee yeah. of this building, and and momentarily safe. Okay, so this liquid flows over past the the firehouse and it almost doesn't slow down like you're 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 momentarily safe just because of the the firehouse being in the way of it um but it flows around the firehouse and can use crashing past and um harmony you get you got swept up in it right uh 
Not exactly. I think I got I wedged okay. myself in between something. Okay, yes. You're you're also just kind of luckily in a spot where like enough of the force is absorbed that you're not immediately caught mm-hmm. up in this, um but it's flowing all around you and you can see it not just flattening entire buildings. This stuff is heavy and you can see that like it's much heavier than water is. It's the thick and and dense and as much as you'd expect like a tidal wave to wash buildings away this is even more forceful and entire buildings just vanish as this wave passes them you can see that that house that's underneath the tracks is just swept off of its foundations and away Um, a huge piece of the tank slams into the elevated train trestle and the the track itself dips just behind that train so that train rounds the curve and just behind it like feet behind it the track dips down if it had been a little bit slower it would have plunged to the ground below and sam you're rushing towards this wave as it's sweeping up are you do you stop before the wave gets to you or do you get swept up it depends my goal is to find people that need help so Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's that house or the slaughterhouse or you know what i mean we're in the we're in the first few seconds so like is is your immediate reaction as you see as you realize that this wave is that you could end up in this wave is it to stop or is it to to rush forward to stop okay so you kind of skid to a halt in this initial few seconds as this wave slams into the apartment buildings up to like the second floor and below you and probably actually misjudge a little bit so that your feet get sloshed over with this this molasses and it's like getting hit with a heavy ocean wave times 10 Mm -hmm. it's far more forceful than you would expect and at the end of this initial burst just this whole neighborhood has been completely scoured by this enormous wave of gunk and just in seconds it's almost unrecognizable and looks like some of the war zones that those of you who have been in war have have seen before um i will drop another image in chat this is an aerial shot of what it looked like after the disaster oh my god because, I mean, okay, so we're talking houses made out of, or buildings made out of wood, mostly? Wood bricks, yeah. Okay. There's steel buildings, you know, buildings with steel supports have, mm. have, have also been destroyed. That tre- that all elevated railway is is steel and has been, has been knocked half off its supports. And at the moment, Lorenzo is kind of standing in one lucky spot. Um, seeing that the firehouse is, is half collapsed right in front of him. Harmony is wedged behind some just fragments of building. And uh, Sam, you're standing sort of at the the edge of this new lake of molasses that has just now formed out of what was once a neighborhood. And now is when the smell hits you, this thick, sugary scent as power lines are sparking and fizzing and falling into the to the muck and you just start to hear the the crumbling of the remaining structures next time on tabletop garden the great molasses flood 
Come on, Patty. We, most of us have been shot at and we all run into burning buildings. Uh, you're not going to go out looking like a glazed ham. This seems one of those moments when uh, living in the moment was the best practice. I just take an elbow to it. People matter more than glass. Sorry. You hear one voice coming from the basement just like, Help! Help! And it looks like just the patch of ground you're on is collapsing. But yeah, there is someone down there. Rosette Diceless was created by Future Proof Games and can be found at rosetterpg.com. Our theme song is Great Molasses Disaster by Robin Egner and Parlor Game, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 license. You can find more on Tabletop Garden at tabletop.garden, and you can support my work and get episodes early at patreon.com slash Gregory Avery Weir.